Thanks everyone for the opportunity to present to you. Um, Metrix Credit Partners is a business that we, uh, we established back in June of 2013 when we launched our first fund. Um, so the, the business was established by myself and three of my other, two, other partners. Uh, we, we, we are a, a group of, that have come from uh, regulated banks. So the team and the background to Metrics Credit Partners is uh, working in regulated banks in Australia and offshore. Um, our team has been joined by around about 40 uh, individual investment professionals that are active in the market, uh, assisting us in terms of what we do. So Metrics Credit, as I said, established in June of 13. We started with one institutional investor for $75 million. Now, six and a half years later, we operate 10 different funds, two ASX listed funds, and we run around about $5 billion. Um, our team is very much um, designed to uh, give investors direct exposure to private market transactions. So a lot of other managers and others that you may have heard today speak have talked about public market assets, equities and, and the like. Our market is very much a private market where we, we negotiate and originate transactions directly with Australian corporate, corporate borrowers. So our skill set is to seek to originate transactions across really four key markets. Uh, we lend to listed and unlisted companies, large companies. We're active as a project and infrastructure finance lender. We're active in property related markets. So we lend for both development purposes and also to real estate investment trusts. And we also um, provide financing for acquisition purposes. So a number of the large domestic and global private equity firms that are acquiring companies, we're involved in providing funding um, alongside banks and others associated with providing the funding to complete those transactions. So our team has a skill set that's very much focused on direct origination, the management and assessment of credit risk, and then the ongoing portfolio risk management to deliver our investors the returns that are associated with directly lending to companies. So the fees, the charges that we charge to borrowers, the interest and the, and the returns that we generate are designed to provide a return to our investors. But equally, a, a large component of what we do is setting the terms and conditions and negotiating the controls. So as a lender, you often, often have to take uh, clear protections to protect your interests as a lender to ensure that the company performs. So you're ensuring that the debt service capacity of the company is performed, or you ensure that the stability of the, of, the, of the balance sheet of the company that you lend to is preserved. And you do that by way of negotiating terms and conditions and covenants and controls to restrict the activities of a borrower to ensure that your interests as a lender are protected. And as a result of that, we believe that we're able to provide our investors with access to an attractive asset class, private market, but uh, in a way that capital is preserved and protected as a result of the controls that we impose on our borrowers. This is a, a chart that really just shows you the growth of our business and the individual funds that we operate. Uh, you can see there we have two ASX listed vehicles, the MCP Master Income Trust, that fund we launched in October of 2017 uh, when we IPO'd that particular fund. It was the first listed investment trust giving investors access to private lending transactions in the Australian market. 
Since we, we completed the IPO of that fund in October of 2017, we've completed a number of subsequent capital raisings, and that fund is now around about the seventh largest LIC or LIT on the Australian exchange, with around about 1.3 billion in, in assets under management. That fund seeks to deliver investors a return of the RBA cash rate plus 3.25% net with income paid monthly. Our other fund is the MCP Income Opportunities Trust. That was a fund that we launched in um, April of 2019. That fund raised $300 million and it's designed again to give investors exposure to high yielding opportunities in the loan market. So it, it invests in sub-investment grade or subordinated debt or mezzanine debt. So higher, higher yielding loan transactions. Both of those two funds are really designed to create options for investors and all of our funds are really designed to create alternatives for investors. So our, our view is that investors would determine what's their appropriate risk or return objective and then how do they manage liquidity. And so having listed funds gives our investors access to what is really an illiquid asset class that sits on a bank balance sheet or on a balance sheet is not actively traded through a public market, but investors can then buy and sell their units on the exchange to create the liquidity necessary for them. Um, you know, often we get asked, why is it that metrics exist? You know, the banks are able to, to lend to companies and the like. There are really two reasons. The first reason is Australia doesn't have a deep functioning liquid corporate bond market. And so it's very difficult for investors to get access to defensive asset classes. And, and, and stability and predictability of income that's able to be generated from a well-diversified portfolio of debt instruments. So often investors in this market have, ex have exposure to hybrids or they've had exposure to term deposits and cash at bank and really have had difficulty gaining access to a well-diversified pool of, of corporate credit. So when an investor buys MXT, they can get immediate diversification across around about 130 individual borrowers. And so from our perspective, one of the reasons why we exist is because of that lack of um, options for um, investors looking to gain access to a corporate bond market exposure. But really, the Australian corporate bond market is a fraction of the size of the Australian loan market. If you strip out government and semi-government securities and financial institutions, the Australian bond market does around about, has around about 45 billion in outstandings. The Australian loan market, in terms of the assets that sit on bank balance sheets, is around about 1.1, 1.2 trillion in size, materially larger than a domestic bond market. But most Australian companies are unrated, and so they become heavily reliant on the banks for funding. So one reason, as I said, is the absence of a, a well-functioning liquid corporate bond market that provides corporate issuers access to capital is one reason we exist. The second reason we exist is really because the banks continue to face into increasing regulatory pressure. So the cost of funding for the banks continues to go higher. You can see every day the amount of capital that the banks are required to apply against their individual loan assets continues to increase. And it's been our view since back in 2007, 2008, when we first sought to establish metrics, was that the banks are no longer really the natural lenders to Australian corporates. And over time, I think that that market will transition to a non-bank market. And so from our perspective, being able to be large and scalable and giving investors access to this market is a way in which we can then facilitate the lending to Australian corporate borrowers. 
So this, this chart here really just shows you the four or five key markets that we, we lend to. Again, lending to Australian publicly listed and private companies, active in uh, project and infrastructure funding, active as a, as a, as a property-related lender. So we do things like residential land subdivisions, high-rise residential apartment towers, industrial and commercial buildings and developments. Uh, we also are active, as I said, in acquisition finance. This chart here simply just shows you the range of companies that we lend to. So every, every logo on that page is either a company that we lend to or currently have as part of our portfolio of exposures. As a business, we've lent in excess of $6.5 billion, over 250 individual loan transactions that we've completed since June of 2013 when we launched our first fund. You can see through this chart, we give exposure to our investors, to a range of companies that would otherwise not be available for investors to gain exposure to. Not all of these investments are investment grade, low risk senior facilities. Our, our activities span the entire risk spectrum. So we lend for investment grade and sub-investment grade purposes or to companies. We lend up and down the capital structure. So if you think about the capital structure, equity is often your highest risk, most volatile asset class. Investors are investing in equities looking to gain capital growth, not necessarily looking to invest in equities for income. The Australian market's often pushed investors into investing in equities for income because of the attractiveness of frank dividends and the like. But if you actually think about where you might sit as a lender in the capital structure, you're moving into a lower risk part of the capital structure in the form of debt. And again, Australia has a very attractive legal and insolvency framework, particularly where a lender is secured, designed to protect the interests of a lender. And so from our perspective, even if we're lending for subordinated debt or mezzanine debt purposes, you're actually at a lower risk point in the capital structure than an outright equity ownership position. So often if I think about uh, a, a property development transaction, for instance, and you might have the loan to valuation ratio at sort of 65 or 70%, there's still 30% of the capital structure that is at risk to equity before your debt position is at risk of losing a cent. Um, again, the Australian market is very much a bank-dominated market, and most Australian corporate borrowers, as I said, don't have credit ratings, and so they're heavily reliant on the banks for funding. And as a result of that, uh, they also have limited options in terms of raising debt financing in other countries. So often in our market, investors or borrowers might issue bonds, or they might issue bonds in an offshore market, or they might approach a US private placement market. These are markets designed to facilitate the provision of debt capital to companies. But again, in this market, most Australian corporate borrowers are restricted and they're relying on the banks for funding. So as that market changes and the regulatory drivers that are impacting on the banks change, we need to create alternative sources of funding for, bank for, for borrowers away from the bank market. And that's what metrics is seeking to provide. Again, this is a, a lot of the things that are impacting the banks. You know, increased regulation, macroprudential policy. So over the last four years, you've seen a position where the regulators have required the banks to reduce their exposure to the property market. And so what that's created is been a, it's a, been a scarcity of capital in that part of the market. So for us, we've been, as a lender, being able to lend to property-related borrowers where the terms and conditions represent lower risk 
but the pricing becomes elevated, reflecting the scarcity of capital. So when you think about a credit crisis or a credit crunch where banks withdraw capital from a sector, often companies that need that capital have to pay a higher price. And the terms and conditions associated with lending to those companies often becomes more restrictive, more favourable to us as a lender. And so over the last several years, that's been a, a, a very attractive market for us. The chart also shows you our position in the market. So, you know, you think the four domestic major banks are still very significant in our market. You've got an increasing number of Chinese and Japanese banks that are active as lenders in the Australian market. But you have a growing sense of uh, unregulated uh, alternative finance providers by non-bank lenders. And a lot of non-bank lenders, unfortunately, are heav heavily reliant on the banks for funding. You know, they use a lot of leverage and a lot of debt. Our funds are not like that. We've raised around $5 billion of equity capital from investors, and we use those proceeds to lend. So in the same way you're raising capital, we're intermediating and finding opportunities to lend. We lend the money to a company. The company pays its interest and its fees to us, which is then distributed back to our investors on a monthly basis. All of our funds pay income on a monthly basis. And the individual funds really just reflect the different risk profile that um, our lending activities expose our investors. So if you think about, um, as I said before, where do investors go for choice? You know, you've got low interest rates, People are looking for how do, I, how do I generate an acceptable yield? How do I invest in a way that generates and preserves my capital? Uh, we think that in terms of both MXT and MOT, we've created choices for investors that are more attractive than looking at term deposits or cash rates or, or hybrids. Yeah, you're taking more risk. But the issue is, is the, is the return that you're generating on the additional return? We're not a bank, so we don't have the benefit of a government guarantee for a deposit. We're not a deposit-taking organisation. But the issue is investors are investing in our funds where we're seeking to lower the risk associated with any one individual company that we lend to and using those proceeds to diversify our holdings to reduce the risk to our investors. So again, you know, there are a number of um, listed funds that have come onto the Australian Stock Exchange since we first launched MXT. So there have been a number of competitor funds that have come to the market. Um, most of those funds are actually dedicated towards public market securities. So bonds, high yield bonds, so there's a competitor of ours that uh, has raised a listed investment trust where investors are investing in US high yield bonds. Uh, there's a competitor to ours that um, is in offering a product where investors can invest in residential back mortgage securities. Again, they're very different products to ours. Uh, MXT is we lend to Australian companies across those four key markets where often we're lending alongside a bank as part of a syndicate. It might be ourselves and another one or two bank lenders where it's a part of a club style transaction, or we may be the sole lender depending on the size and the risk associated with that individual transaction. Again, a number of our competitors are investing in offshore markets, and I, and I guess that exposes investor capital to the risks around uh, foreign currency risk. It exposes our investors to the risks associated with different legal and regulatory frameworks. So again, I think that one of the underappreciated benefits for Australian investors investing in secure debt is often the, the benefits that are afforded to a lender through Australian corporate insolvency law. So if, what I mean by that is if a company's credit quality deteriorates, we as a lender can effectively wipe out the value of the equity, taking control of the company, 
exercising our powers under our securities to effect a change of control and take control of the company. It's not a position where equity might have to, you know, the standard case that we go into as a, as a lender, if a company gets in, into deterioration, uh, the credit quality deteriorates, they're likely to have a, a, a risk of potential default. Often as a lender, the first things you say is you go and raise equity. If you can't raise equity, then we're going to require you to go through an asset sale process. If you can't sell assets and you can't raise equity, then we'll impose and enforce our, our powers under our security and, and, and seek to have our debt repaid as we exercise our powers under our securities. So, you know, if I think about uh, periods through the GFC and, and post, you know, go back to 2015, and you had a lot of large publicly listed companies that were exposed to oil prices or commodity markets, what did those companies do? They often raised equity, deeply dilutive equity raisings, and they used those proceeds often to repay debt. So again, as a lender, you're in a position where you can in require a company, if they want to maintain control of their company, to repay debt through raising equity, selling assets, or run the risk of a default, and a lender taking control of, uh, of your securities. Um, again, I've mentioned that all, all lits are not the same. Uh, there are a range of differences across the kinds of structures their investors are exposed to, the fees, the level of liquidity, the underlying assets. One thing that does concern me a little bit at the moment is that investors are seeing uh, a flurry of uh, listed credit and debt funds come to the exchange and people are not digging necessarily into what are the underlying assets that are held by this fund. Are US loans or US bonds the same as Australian loans and Australian bonds? What is the risk? What's the return? Where do you sit in the capital structure? There's a lot of things to think through. And I think one of the things that uh, is, is a, an advantage that we have is myself and my three other partners and our team have had average between sort of 30 to 40 years doing exactly what we do. We were schooled in, in lending and credit assessment through working for banks and when we now use our relationships with banks and corporate borrowers and advisors, we're using those relationships to get access to opportunities for our investors to originate good quality transactions and then to manage the risk associated with those. We're not a, a, an investor that sits back and says, oh, S&P is given a credit rating, we'll rely on that credit rating. We do our work, we do our under, underlying due diligence on the companies we lend to, to assess the risk associated with lending to those companies. Um, again, one of the other issues that I think is important is the level of liquidity that's available uh, to an investor in a listed trust. And so one of the things that we've been quite conscious of with MXT, for instance, that's now, as I said, the seventh largest LIT on the Australian Stock Exchange with around about $1.3 in capital under management. That, that fund was designed to be a stable, cash-generative, low-cost and high liquid, highly liquid product for investors. And what we've seen since we first launched that fund is that it's delivered that. So uh, unlike a lot of other um, uh, LICs or LITs that have traded at a discount, if you think about the, the fundamental assets that we hold in the portfolio being debt instruments, those debt instruments actually are a lower risk than equity. And uh, sorry, I'm just going to check my time here just to make sure I don't run out of time here. 
Um, and so I guess they, you sit in a different part of the capital structure. And so where equities might have more volatility, your underlying debt positions should be worth 100 cents in the dollar. The risk associated with any reduction in the value of the NAV would flow through if there were, were credit losses. And you can see in that fund, we've exceeded the minimum target return since the inception. Again, a fund designed to provide income, a diversification across the portfolio, uh, a fund that was designed specifically to provide investors with a low, low fee, highly liquid, capital stable, monthly income producing product. MOT was really designed as an equity market replacement. So it's designed for investors that are looking for income, but don't want to suffer the market volatility of public market equities. And so again, by moving into potentially a lower risk part of a company's capital structure in the form of debt, we think we're preserving and have means to provide a preservation of investor capital where your capital is stable, but as a result of the scarcity of capital and our team's ability to negotiate terms and conditions with borrowers, we, can, we think we can extract a better return for our investors. So that fund seeks to deliver investors 7% per annum as a cash income payment. Uh, since inception of that fund and listing of that fund in April of 2019, we've exceeded that 7% uh, per annum cash distribution. But we're also trying to provide our investors with the ability to participate in upside gains. And those upside gains come through uh, our ability to negotiate a profit share, our ability to negotiate options or warrants that we might take, or where we're lending to a company and we see that the company uh, is going to generate some outperformance as a result of the debt that we're providing, uh, we think our investors should be rewarded for that. And so we might seek to negotiate an outright minority equity interest in the company we lend to. Again, this is a little bit of a difference in terms of showing you where MXT and MOT differ. Uh, MOT is a, a more aggressive, more high-yielding fund, subordinated debt, mezzanine debt, and exposure to equity upside, whereas MXT is designed to be a replacement for a traditional fixed income asset allocation. So a replacement for bonds, a replacement for term deposits and hybrids and the like. And again, this really just shows you the risk spectrum and where those two funds sit on the market and the exchange. And the, uh, again, if you look on the exchange, you'll see the two listed funds on the exchange. Both have been trading again uh, above the NAV since listing. And importantly, we're, we're committed to continuing to deliver for our investors in those funds. So uh, I thank you for your time today. And um, if there's an opportunity you'd like to speak to, to one of our representatives, they'll be on the pinnacle uh, stand uh, after, after today's session. Or if I'm around, feel free to come and ask me any question you'd like. Thank you.